Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another sunny day in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Nick Sherrod, a minister of Little Fair, an independently owned residential care home located in East Grinstead. Nick, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm well. Thank you for coming on the program today. Uh, we might as well dive straight in. What does the mm-hmm. word leader mean to you? Um, ever, um, every day, kind of a purpose to continue to reinvent oneself. You can't just lead and then hope for the best. You have to be hands-on, especially in, in the industry that I'm in, a seven-day a week, 24-hour um, job like a, a residential care home. It's always have to reinvent yourself as, as in my position, in my position anyway. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Uh, I'm, I'd say I'm, I'm hands-on uh, as best I can um, with the camera. We have up to 40 residents and over 35 staff and they constantly need me to be there. And as a a family business uh, I took over from my, my parents back mm-hmm. in 2015 and I have to be there to reinvent what needs to be done and, and also there's a lot of things I discovered when I took over that um, need to be improved and brought into the 21st century so it's, we've been going for over nearly 30 years now so uh, it needed to be in, you know updated and uh, I need to be there to support the staff and really to make things happen you know action things as soon as they possibly can be done. Now, are there any particular challenges involved in running a family business? Um, well, taking over from the past, which, you know, people can be set in their ways and staff can be set in their ways. And I'm putting my, I guess, my two pennies worth in um, from my experience. But the, the challenges are probably, um, the number one challenge is probably staff. Um, maintaining staff and retention of staff is, the, I think, the key thing for the industry at the moment is that um, we are we are struggling to... Uh, maintain a, um, a healthy core staff agency staff has sort of taken over from care and, and NHS and it is it is sort of killing us in one way but we we need to um, overcome it and find more homegrown um, sort of employees that want to work in the care industry or if not we'll look further afield you know um, across the world. Let's go back to the very beginning of your career uh, when you were first starting out in the world of work. Was there any particular influences or individuals who shaped the way that you lead today? Well, I first started in a completely different industry. I worked in the the media industry. Um, I started right at the bottom as as a runner. And my aspirations were to become a director. That was my my goal with my creative sort of background and aspirations. Um, My sort of... I suppose um, aspirations would have been influenced by um, people in the, in the media, um, could be film directors, uh, producers or actors, um, and people who achieved great brands um, in the lights of, you know, um, Richard Branson and Virgin. You know, I'm, I'm one for believing in creating something not just for the, for, you know, the few. I like to, you know, want to create something for the, you know, for a brand for for many, and when you make a film, for instance, you you are trying to make it for the masses as best you can. So, you know, if you're trying to get yourself mm-hmm. on the ladder, you have to look sort of further afield rather than in a sort of insular way. So, um, broadly speaking, I've got a lot of uh, um, sort of inspirational people that are, have helped me um, get there, and that could be from musical artists to film directors to um, you 
know, um, industry sort of um, leaders as well. Now, let's uh, let's go back into your particular field. What are the particular challenges facing um, your sort of institutions at this moment in time? Well, the current um, issue is still um, staff, staffing levels, and and also, I suppose, maintaining. You know, we're in a in a, in a business where unfortunately people do pass away um, quite regularly, and obviously we need to keep uh, the business running with with full occupancy so that we can keep our our operational costs, um, you know, paid each month. They don't go away. We have to keep maintaining. That's why I need to be more hands on, and I'm always trying to look outside the box. You know, I, I see that we are regulated quite heavily and, and you know, we set standards and my standard is, is actually the, the outstanding status of a care home. Um, and that's difficult to achieve, but that's where we want to be. We, we, we come trying from a holistic point of view and we're looking always to give the, the residents the, the best kind of independent um, kind of lifestyle in, 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 their, in their time there because it's, it's their home at the end of the day and coming from a, a family background and in, in the way the care home was actually created by my parents, I want to continue that. But it is a challenge every day to maintain, um, you know, a consistent sort of flow of, of um, keeping everybody happy, and that includes the staff. It's it's not just the residents. The starving, the you know, staff need to be kept happy, and they need to be focused, and they need to be encouraged. And and you know, I like to give people incentives to um, you know to reach their goals and targets. Um, you can't just allow it to um, you know to allow it to sort of run itself. You know, you constantly constantly have to reinvent itself to be to be better. And, we, and I'm looking at that every every day, every week. And every year, but it is a challenge. It's, uh, it's sometimes uh, one of the most. It's actually bigger than actually making a film. I've, I've made films where you are the producer and the director, and you've got you know hundreds of crew working for you over a long period of time. And, it, and this is probably just as challenging, if not so more. Now, in your business, uh, obviously, yeah. you have uh, to manage uh, quite a few number of staff. What's the greatest yeah. challenge in managing the staff that you have? Uh, I've got so so many um, challenges that happen on a monthly basis, like uh, even timesheets and and people's um, you know filling in forms correctly. Um, it's almost, sometimes you have to go back to basics to sort of spoon feed people to do it the right way. Because even though you put all the measures in place to actually run it smoothly, especially after a long period of time the camera's been going going for it's. Um, a lot of errors that can be made, and you just got to make sure that you, you mitigate limit limits those errors. Um, but it's but, you know the biggest challenge is, is just keeping everybody um, maintain the focus um, on the job. You know uh, when they're there, the staff are working for the home. They're there actually there for the residents, and we want to really keep all the admin and background and all the sort of operational goings on behind the scenes, so that it's not in in sort of earshot of the, the residents so they, they can enjoy just enjoying their time at home. And that's that's the biggest challenge is sort of, you know, keeping that focus on making them as, as you know, happy and peaceful and relaxing and, and, and diverse as possible because it's, it's not a, a waiting room. Uh, if you like, for the afterlife, it should be a home away from their original home. That's what we try and do and that's what my mm. parents always sort of instilled in me to make it as a family orientated as possible. Now, unfortunately, our time together is uh, very quickly drawing to its close. But before yeah. I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Little Fair? 
Well, we've got an, a three-phase plan to refurb um, a big portion of it. So we're looking to increase the uh, number of rooms because the, the councils have been saying to us that they're there is a um, shortage of beds that are going to be, uh, you know, upon us in the next 10, 20 years. And we can only put, obviously, increase by a, you know, a fraction of maybe 10 or 20, 30 rooms. And the council needs tens of thousands of rooms in the next uh, few years. So that's what we're aiming for, is to add to the community, um, make it a more um, enjoyable place to stay um, and really just improve the services and, and obviously get core staff. That's my main thing is to get more core staff on board. So there's continuity and familiarity amongst the staff so that they were the residents, um, you know, are aware of the people that are looking after them rather than different faces every day. Sometimes when you get from agency. Mm. Well, Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. And I very much look forward to speaking with you again at some point in the near future. Nick, thank Appreciate you. That. that was Nick Sherrod. Administrator of Little Fair. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He um, He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over the years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in Sir Alf Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. 
Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence. On me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, well, I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top; is absolutely vital for a, a for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships. You could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time maybe overly strict but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. 
And I think that's one thing, I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment? I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark. Mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just. A lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position, and somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be, be involved in the squad initially. Um, Not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show you. You got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I 
did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you in two. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, in most stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um... Uh, well, you want me, I, I can think, tell you if you want. You want. You got time? I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh, if, you put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when this happened when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe 
uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals, or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they, they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, well, the, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. 
and there was nobody. And going back on an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was. A big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was, and I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great and players. You... We have some great players, of course, but without the attitude <laughs> alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that—that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking—if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single minded. Uh, Single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach. Somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not. Uh, there's, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.